Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're watching this, whether it's Sunday morning or on demand, welcome to Friendship again. So glad you've joined us for week number nine, our final week in this series called Teach Us to Pray. We have spent, again, eight, nine weeks now in this series talking about prayer, and the question is, why? Why are we spending so much time and energy talking about prayer? Well, let me make this clear. It's certainly not to teach you everything there is to know about prayer because we're not even close and could never get there in nine weeks. Now, the reason why we're doing this series on prayer is because I want to remind us, I want to remind myself of what is certain. You know, we're living in uncertain times and you may think you're certain of what is true, but the reality is there's a lot that we're divided on and there's a lot that we're uncertain about. But there's one thing that is a certainty that we know for sure that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In Psalm 145 verse 18 tells us something really important. Psalm 145 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. And so what the psalmist tells us is that Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that when we call on the Lord, in the name of Jesus, the, the, the scriptures tell us to do, when we call on the Lord, He is near. He will draw near to us. And so, you know what, as God's people, and I want you to listen up here for a second, because this may be the most controversial thing I'll say today, it's this. As God's people, we cannot practice social distancing with God. That is the clarifier. We're not talking about with one another, okay? Well, I'm, I'm talking about with God as the people of God. We cannot afford to be socially distanced from our God. Man, we need to draw near. I firmly believe that we must be a people of prayer now more than ever, that we've got to draw near to God, not be distant. All right, that's, that's what I firmly believe. And wherever you were, you know, rewind nine weeks ago in your life, wherever you were when it comes to, to prayer and your, your communication with God, my desire, my hope is that for all of us, if you've been dialed in at all over these last eight, nine weeks, is that wherever you were nine weeks ago, that hopefully you've at least taken a step in the direction of being more of a person of prayer. Not perfect, but better. And increasing and growing and praying more. I know that I am still not where I want to be when it comes to my prayer life. But man, I'm, I think I'm better because I'm focused on it. I'm thinking about it. I'm talking about it. And, and hopefully that's where you're at too, because we ought to be a people of prayer because the real power and comfort and grace and strength that you and I need, and you know this, it's found in Christ. And so we need to be drawing nearer. We need to be tapping in more and not drifting away or pulling away or backing off, but drawing near. Uh, the Lord is near to all who call on Him. And so today we're going back 
to Luke chapter 11. We've been, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, and let me see if I can rattle it off for us. In the old King James translation, it says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are, as we forgive our debtors, sorry. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Last week we came off of verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We've kind of skipped over that kind of closing uh, part of the prayer, thine is the the kingdom, the power, and the glory. It's kind of reminding us again of, of who we're speaking to, of this being about His glory and about His kingdom and about His way. And so we kind of conclude the Lord's Prayer with that. And, and today we're going to spend the last few minutes of this sermon series back in Luke 11. If you remember back, you know, rewind eight, nine weeks ago, we started with Luke 11 where the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, they say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? There was this hunger that they had to grow in prayer. They wanted him to teach them how to do it because they've watched him. They've witnessed him in his prayer life, in his communion with God. And they say, we want to we be like you in your prayer life. And so, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And this is, again, the second instance in the New Testament where we see Jesus uh, teaching on prayer. One was in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, where we've been in the last few weeks. And back to Luke 11, where the disciples have asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to come to the conclusion of, you know, this, this teaching that Jesus had given the disciples. He walks through the Lord's Prayer. Starting in Luke 11, verse number 5, Jesus kind of applies it or wraps this teaching up with this conclusion. He says, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. All right, so, so let's, let's stop there for a second. All right, so in this, this Jewish culture, it was unthinkable. It was, it was you know, unheard of. It was something you did not want to be caught without having something to set before your guests. And, and so... Which of you has a friend who comes to you at midnight and says, Hey, I've got a friend who came to us on a long journey and we've got nothing in the house. And so he comes to you at midnight. Verse 7, And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, is his friend, Yet because of his impudence will he rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, I want to I wanna explain a few things here, or three kind of words that, that, that I think of when we come through this passage. One is that word impudence, okay? Maybe you don't know what that means. Back in verse number 8, uh, Jesus says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything. You know, he won't get up and answer his friend and give him anything because he is a friend. Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. That word impudence means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. Okay, so w- what Jesus is saying is, you're kind of like, what are you doing bothering me at midnight? No, I'm not going to get up. I'm asleep. My whole household is asleep. And for me to get up and give you some bread is going to wake the whole household. No, go away. All right. And I think that's all kind of our initial response when we get woken up at midnight. And Jesus goes on to say, but, you know, because of his impudence, because of his lack of sensitivity to what is proper, okay, because of his shamelessness or his boldness, okay, because he's coming to you at midnight and pounding on your door, even though you don't want to get up and answer him, you're going you're gonna to say, well, you know what, apparently this is important. Uh, this is a big deal. He has kind of thrown off all regard for social propriety and you know, sensitivity to um, what's proper, and he's boldly, unashamedly come and asked me for something. And so, okay, I'm going to answer him. I'm going to go ahead and respond to him. And so Jesus talks about the impudence of this, this one who is asking and making a request. And then he goes on to talk about the idea of persistence. And the persistence means to, to keep on going, to never give up, to not be a quitter. That's what persistence is all about. These, these verbs Jesus sa- sa- says here, he says, ask and seek and knock. And I, lo- I love those verbs. You know, when we talk about asking and requesting and, and Jesus, again, he's, the reference here is prayer. He's comparing this to prayer when we ask and we seek and we knock. And those three verbs are actually, in, in, the, in the Greek, they're in, in present tense, which means literally what, what, it, what Jesus is saying is keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. It's this present tense. Keep on. Be persistent. Don't give up. And so we talk about impudence. We talk about persistence of, of the, the prayer. He's, he's thrown off you know, all sensitivity to what's proper. He, he is persistent, all right? Keep, keep asking and, and seeking and knocking. But then here's a, here's a third kind of word that comes to me when we look at this passage. It's the word responsive, responsive. And this is to the one who is, is answering or replying to the request. And, and the point here is that God answers. God answers prayer. Verse 9 and 10 says that if you ask, you'll receive. It'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. And knock and it will be opened to you. So God responds to prayer. When we ask and seek and knock, He will respond to us. 
You know, I think of when I was a little kid and my parents were asleep and maybe I, I had a hard time falling asleep or maybe I woke up and I was scared. Uh, maybe I had a bad dream or was just scared of the dark or, or heard a noise or whatever it is where, where fear bubbled up in me and I, I wanted to have the safety and security and the comfort of, 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 of my parents acknowledging um, you know, that, that they could comfort me. But I remember being a little kid and my, my room was right next to my parents' room and I remember being a little kid, uh, like scared to death to wake my parents up because I just thought, oh, if I wake them up out of sleep, you know, maybe I hear them snoring and if I pound on their door, man, they're gonna be so angry at me. They're gonna be so mad that I woke them up. And, I'll, you know, there was this battle between this fear inside of me of what I was feeling at the moment and the fear of waking up my parents, you know, and, and what their anger or their response might be. And that's what I think of when I think of asking and seeking and knocking. I was afraid. And so you might get this little like, mom, dad, you know, you're, you're just hoping that they'll hear your faint little cries for help and, and get up and help. But I didn't want to pound on the door or scream or any of those things because I didn't want to wake up mom and dad at midnight. I didn't want them to respond like this guy and be like, shut up, go away, all right, I'm sleeping, all right? But, but, but that's what I think of. Now I think of as a parent, I'm in a different place. And you know, I have a, a, a daughter who sometimes will wake up with a bad dream uh, or whatever the case may be. And, and, and I've been woken up more than once with a little like knocking at the door, right? And um, at first it's, it's this, you know, I'm alarmed because what's going on um, and, and I'm groggy, but then you hear this knock and I know it's my baby girl. It's my little girl who's knocking and I know what's going on. There's, there's a problem. She's scared or something's going on in her world. And the, the initial response is, I'm tired, I'm groggy, why have you woken me up? But then there's, there, I remember being a kid and that whole sense of, you know, I, I, I want my parents, I want my mommy, I want my daddy. And so there's a sense of, oh, I've, I've got to respond with love and grace. And I want to, I want to be there. I want to be available. I want to be present for my, my child who needs me because they wouldn't be knocking at 3 a.m. if they didn't need me. And so I think about this and the way our father wants to respond to us. He, he wants us to be impudent. That we say, I don't care what time it is or what's socially acceptable. I need you. you know, that we would be persistent, that we wouldn't give up and give in to our own fears, but that we would keep pursuing because we have a, a father that loves us and wants to respond to us and that is available to us. And so let, let, me, let me walk through three quick thoughts here um, that I think of to help us apply this, this kind of parable or story that Jesus is telling to, to, to wrap up this whole idea of, of prayer. As he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he concludes with this. And so it's, this is significant. He doesn't just teach them what to pray, how to pray, but he talks about how to, how to come to God, uh, why this is so important. So let me give you three thoughts out of my own brain. All right, here's thought number one. Pray first, 
pray last, pray always. Pray first, pray last, pray always. I love this, this, this quote from Oswald Chambers who wrote the, the old devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. He said, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. You know, I love that because, again, we, we pray when we have nowhere else to go, nothing else to do when we're desperate, which God wants us to pray when we're desperate. And He, he wants to be our, our last resort, but He also wants to be our, our first line of defense. And so I, I hear Jesus saying, don't just be, don't let me, don't let prayer be your last resort, uh, but don't let it just be your first line of defense. Uh, let it be all of that and more in between. Pray first, pray last, pray always, always in between. Uh, Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He, 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 he doesn't tell us to be irritating. Okay, persistent doesn't mean to be irritating. When I think of the, the knocking, the persistence, I think of someone who like, is just pounding, 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 who won't stop. You know, this, don't be irritating, but do be persistent. Do be habitual. Um, keep on doing it. That means make it a habit, a habit of, of life, not just a once in a while, not just once a week, not just listening to somebody else praying, but you and me keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Uh, let me ask you a question. What kind of habits do you have in your life? Think about it. What, what are the habits that you have? Maybe you have some good habits, like hopefully brushing your teeth is a habit, taking a shower, cleaning up after yourself, right? How, what are the kind of, of, of habits that you have? Maybe you have some bad habits or weird habits. Maybe you chew your fingernails. Ugh, okay, bad habit, okay, stop doing that. That's why there's fingernail clippers, all right? Don't do that. There, you know, there's, maybe you, maybe you, Maybe smoke, maybe you drink beyond, you know, sobriety. Maybe you have some bad habits that you need to kick. What, what, are, what are the habits that you have in your life? But beyond that, let me ask a deeper question. What if, what if your biggest habit was prayer? What if what you did more habitually than anything else in your life was to pray, to draw near to God, to run to God when you had something small on your mind or on your heart or something big on your mind or on your heart? Pray first and pray last and pray always. That's what I believe Jesus is saying here. It's what Paul would say later on in the New Testament. Pray without ceasing. Make this kind of a, a lifestyle, not just an event. Make it an event. Pray regularly at certain times and places, and, but, but make this a lifestyle. Pray first, pray last, pray always. What is it that's on your heart and mind that you, is always on your mind that you, you're stressing about or having anxiety about? Are you praying about it always? Are you praying first and last and always, everywhere in between? Here's a second thought. Your Father will always give you what is good. 
your father will always give you what is good. You know, back in Luke 11, verse 11 and 12, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And, you know, if, if you're like me, you, you look at what Jesus says here and like, what a strange example that, that, that Jesus gives. I mean, I would never, if my, if my kid is asking for fish, why would I give him a snake? It just seems so bizarre. Or if, hey, dad, could you make me an egg for breakfast? Uh, sure. And I like serve him up a plate of scorpion. I mean, I'm like, why would I do that? Who would do that? It seems so bizarre and so strange, but if you look at it again, think of the examples that Jesus is using here. Fish and eggs, what's that all about? Well, those things feed you, right? They nourish you. But think about serpents and scorpions. They don't nourish you, unless you like to eat snake or scorpion. They don't nourish you. Typically, they harm you, right? And what Jesus says is your, your father isn't going to give you what harms you. No, he's going to give you what's good for you. Uh, he's not going to serve you up something. You ask him for something. Maybe you even ask him for something that is not the right thing for you. He's not going to serve up to you what you ask for if it's going to harm you. Or he's not going to give you something that's going to destroy you. No, he's going to give you what is, is good. I love this quote by Tim Keller. It's out of this book that I've just finished called Prayer. And Tim Keller says this, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything He knows. I love that. God is going to give us what we ask for if it's good for us. Or He's going to give us what we would have asked for had we, had we known all that he knows. You see in this example, if your son asks for a fish or for an egg, he doesn't say, well, he's not going to give it to you. He says, no, he's not going to give you what is harmful to you. That doesn't mean that he's not going to say no or not yet, because maybe that's the answer but he's not going to give you what is harmful for you. And so we can pray. We can pray first and last and always, and we can pray with confidence knowing that even if my prayer is off the mark, even if my prayer is is not going to be in the long run good for me, God is not going to give me what I want if it's going to be harmful for me. And, and, And God is going to respond appropriately. The Holy Spirit is going to, he's our, He's the one who mediates our prayers and he, he, he brings our requests to God and, and he's going to help translate that into what is helpful for us. But your Father will always give you what is good. Verse 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He says, you are an earthly evil, sinful father. You're, you're, you're broken, you're corrupt, and you, are, you, you give good gifts to your own kids. How much more will the Heavenly Father, our Father God, give us better gifts? In the sermon today, I've called it the better gift because 
Number three, here's my third thought. More important than giving us what we want, God gives us himself the better gift. We as earthly, sinful, evil fathers, we know how to give good gifts to our kids. How much more, how much better of a gift would God give to us? And the gift that he gives us is the gift of himself. More than, more important than giving us what we want, he gives us what we need. He gives us himself. He says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Holy Spirit, the presence of God indwelling us, with us and in us. He gives us His presence, the gift of His presence. Y'all, what we need more than anything else is God Himself, is His presence his power, His presence, His grace at work in us. Whatever you think you need, you need Christ more. Whatever I think I need in my life, I need Christ more. More important than anything that we want, God gives us Himself. And again, this is what prayer is all about. This is what prayer is all about. Going back, again, rewinding to week number one, I made the statement that prayer is about presence. It's about presence. It's about coming into the presence of God, and it's about Him promising that He would be present, that He would draw near to us when we would draw near to Him. This is what prayer, at the end of the day, is all about. There's so much we could talk about when it comes to to prayer. There's no way we could ever cover it all or even come close to covering what prayer is all about, the power and the importance, the significance of prayer in our lives. But if I was going to boil it down to what I believe is is the essence of prayer, it's about presence. It's about God's presence. Prayer, regardless of how eloquent or clumsy that you and I may be with our words and with our requests, What we need most is God himself, to be in his presence, to have him near. If we have everything else, but we're missing the presence of God himself in our lives, man, we are still needy people. We are desperate for his presence in our lives. Psalm 145 verse 18. Again, it says that the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He comes near to us if we would call upon him. This is the essence of prayer. It's, it's, it involves our communication to God. It involves our hearts. It involves our words and our speech, bringing all of ourselves to God. But At the end of the day, it's about coming into His presence. It's about us drawing near and taking advantage of His promise of boldly and confidently, shamelessly taking advantage of His promise that if we would draw near to Him, that He will be faithful to draw near to us. He will be close, that He will be near, that He will be present. 
And y'all, what we need more than anything else in our lives, what we need more than anything else in 2020 is we need the presence and the power of God. And so let's call upon his name. Let's call upon the person of Jesus, who is our mediator, who gives us access to our Father God. Amen. Well, I've been saying it for eight weeks straight now. This makes week number eight. We've been taking a prayer out of this book called The Valley of Vision. It's, it's an old collection of Puritan prayers and devotionals. I, I, I've heard from some of you that, that, that love this, and I, some of you are like, it's over my head. Man, I, I want to keep encouraging you to go back, even this week, to dive in. Go back to the Bible app and the notes, and there's a link to this week's prayer. Dive into it. Make this your prayer. Look up the words that you don't understand. Make this your prayer this week, all right? We're going to end this week with a prayer from the Valley of Vision called God and Myself. Here it is. Lord God Almighty, thy understanding is unsearchable and infinite. Thy arm cannot be stayed. Thy agency extends through limitless space. All works hang on thy care. With thee, time is a present now. Holy is thy wisdom, power, mercy, ways, works. How can I stand before thee with my numberless and aggravated offenses? I have often loved darkness, observed lying vanities, forsaken thy given mercies, trampled underfoot thy beloved Son, mocked thy providences, flattered thee with my lips, broken thy covenant. It is of thy compassion that I am not consumed. Lead me to repentance, save me from despair, let me come to thee renouncing condemning, loathing myself, but hoping in the grace that flows even to the chief of sinners. At the cross may I contemplate the evil of sin and abhor it. Look on him whom I pierced as one slain for me and by me. May I never despise his death by fearing in efficacy for my salvation. And whatever cross I am required to bear, let me see him carrying a heavier. Teach me in health to think of sickness, in the brightness hours to be ready for darkness. In life, prepare me for death. Thus may my soul rest in thee, O immortal and transcendent one revealed as thou art in the person and work of thy Son, the friend of sinners. And O oh Lord God, today we come to you, we come into your presence. Lord, first of all, grateful that you invite us in. You tell us to, to brush off all all social awareness, God, to be shameless and bold in our approach of you, that we can come with impudence, we can come asking and seeking and knocking, that we can come persistently 
habitually, not giving up, Lord, that we can pray first and last and always that you are available to us and that we can come boldly before your throne of grace. Lord, thank you that we can come to you. And Lord, thank you that you are responsive, that you will respond to our prayers, maybe not in the ways that we think are appropriate at first in the moment. God, you may not answer yes the way that we want you to, but God, you will always respond and you will always respond in a way that is for our good and not for our harm. And Lord, I pray that you would help me. I pray that you would help all of us to remember, Lord, that you always answer us and you always give us what is good. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember, to realize that, that you, more than giving us what we want, you give us what we need. You give us yourself. You give us your presence. You give us your Holy Spirit. And so God, today, I want to say thank you, Lord, that that is, that is true. And Lord, I pray for every person that's listening, that's watching today, God, that you would help us to, to pray often. Lord, help us to be a people who take advantage of the invitation to come, to draw near that we would come confidently and boldly, that we would come frequently to you, Lord, because you are what we need more than anything else. And so God, would you receive us as we come? Lord, I pray for the one today that may be outside of a relationship with you. I pray that they would know that the invitation is, is there, that they could come to you, that they would cry out in repentance and faith, knowing that you will receive them as a as a son or daughter, that they, could, that they could walk away brand new as a son or daughter of God. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that we would become more and more and more people of prayer. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.